Hello, it is September 27th, 2022, and you're listening to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast. Trying to think of a way to get started. Stutter my flow train of thought just departed. Taste of mezcal on my breath Let me get this off your chest Open my mouth, all the gems falling out Make you lose Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of the Great Iron Fantasy Football Podcast I am your host, Huck Breeze And I am joined here once again by Scott Shedig, a.k.a. Dar Scott How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great, how are you doing today, Huck? I'm doing just fine uh, We're both coming off losses uh, Which is ne- never a good week um, but you know what? It's it's a long season, and I think that's going to be the theme of this podcast is that um, as disappointed or as happy as we may be, it is a long season. So look on the bright side. We are only 20% of the way done through the season, so you got to keep moving. You got to keep chugging. Um, but, but before we get into football, as always, let's talk about what are you watching right now? And and I'll go ahead and explain what I'm going through right now because I, it, you know, it's that season and I'm going to be talking about it. I won't try to bore you guys with it every single week, but Survivor and The Mass Singer um, have both had their premieres last Wednesday. They both air every Wednesday. Uh, Survivor is one of my favorite shows, happens twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall every year for the last 22 years. Um, and they have an amazing cast this time. I'm really pumped for that. Also, The Masked Singer, which kind of incorporates with football. Um, there was a clue this last week. I sent out a video in our group chat, but it basically, uh, the it, just a little background for The Masked Singer. They give video clues and they give clues throughout the uh, throughout the broadcast of who this person might be. They sing for you. If they get voted off, you have to unveil the mask, etc. Uh, this person, it, all their clues lead to football, and all their clues also lead to the Patriots. Prior to the season and the preseason, there was a lot of rumors that. Tom Brady took off time to do the mass Singer rather than what the tabloids now say is work on his family and divorce and all, you know, all the stuff that's going on. So it'll be interesting to see tomorrow. So, so this person gets voted off day one, but they don't, it's like a teaser. They don't show you what's going to happen until literally the first five minutes of tomorrow's show. So, so, First five minutes of tomorrow's show, they're going to show us who it might be. I'm going to go with Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman, or Tom Brady, but that's just me. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm watching. What are you watching, Scott? I will say, don't forget about Gronk. He's got nothing to do right now either. But, but. So, Gronk was on last season. They're oh, not going to oh, do okay. him. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I was just, I was going to say. He was it. really yeah. bad. Like literally the first person voted off. <laughs> I could not imagine him singing. Well, because they, <laughs> they do two seasons as well in the spring and in the fall. And so the premiere was literally uh, right after the Super Bowl. So they were like, go Gronk, you know, right after the Super Bowl. All right. And, uh, and so, yeah. But 
That would have been a good guess. That would have been a good guess. Um, right now, the only thing I'm really watching right now is the Jeffrey Dahmer show. Dahmer, the untold story, something story. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's been pretty interesting so far. It's very uh, disturbing material for sure. Um, Evan Peterson is the main actor playing Dahmer, and he's doing a really good job. He's actually done some disturbing roles in the past. I don't know if you've ever watched an American uh, Horror Story. Yeah, um, great in that. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. He's actually had to take some time off just because he's done so many disturbing roles uh, <laughs> lately, I read, yeah. uh, which I, I get because this show is uh, it's very well done. I, uh, you know, we were watching it last night and we started eating dinner and we had to change channel and we came back after dinner. You know, it's that good. Wow. So, um, yeah, don't, I don't recommend to watch it with your kids, oh, but it's a really good show. I was yeah. not planning on watching a, a Dahmer doc. Uh, with my kids but <laughs> but it's thank good. you That's for the parenting. warning thank you for the warning uh i i saw i've yeah. seen some um some controversy of this one i mean all horror murder documentaries in particular but this one just because it's kind of exploiting uh a lot of the victims trauma i i i don't know i haven't done a lot of uh research on Dahmer, but the fact that there's some courtroom scenes and there's some mm -hmm. victims, family scenes where they're, you know, uh, I mean, these are true stories of these victims. Not a lot of these murder docs or replay murder docs go so deep into the victim's storyline, right? I hear this one goes a little bit deeper into the victim's storyline. It's 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 kind of it's basically a story of how he got his victims and he had, uh, you know, he had issues growing up, obviously, other than the murdering. Um, and it's along those lines that he, you know, had some sexual confusion and things like that, that he would go and find his victims. Mm -hmm. And so it might be diving deeper into their victims background, because a lot of times like what from all I understood before watching the show is that there were multiple complaints about Dahmer that no one ever, the police never really looked into because of his victim's background. So mm. that might be part of what uh, people are going I don't see it as controversial. I, to me, I see it as you're, you're telling the whole story. Either you can tell half the story or you can tell the whole story. And they could have left that out, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made sense. Absolutely. I think in the new age of Netflix and being able to put stories about Dahmer or, or uh, you know, the Ted Bundy one that happened either last year or the year before that was super uh, interesting and, and really captivating. Uh, you, people love to watch it, but I also agree with the fact that it is exploiting some of the victims. I mean, the victims' families do not get any of this money. They're not seeing a dime of this, and they're showing their relatives or you know, or friends or close, you know, people in proximity to them in a very bad light and getting killed. So it's, you know, I, I get it. Uh, it. It's the nature of our society right now. It's October or it's October's coming, coming up. And I don't want to say that that is a coincidence on why some of these murder mysteries come out. October is a very horror centric month. Um, mm. And so people might be more apt to watch something like this or dive into something like this around this time just to gear up for uh this holiday so uh i i definitely want to watch it i haven't seen it yet um but but yes it'll be something that's that's definitely on my on my extensive watch list so let's let's dive oh. into football man let's this is uh not 
the start of the year that you wanted in particular in the gridiron, correct? No, the fantasy football gods have not smiled on me this season so far. But like you said earlier, there's still a lot of football left to play. Yes, there is. And what I want to know, and and before I dive in, because here's what we're going to do. We're going to give opinions on each other's teams, on on the strategy that we've done Mm -hmm. now on, on, on thus far again only 20 percent of the of the uh, season is is done i want you to give me your reasoning on why you think you are zero and three one of them was i got fucking to it that uh, yes yeah, um, points against yeah points against been rough um i've made some bad choices like this week i could have won i left points on the bench mm-hmm. um decent amount of points on the bench i just didn't think that. I guess week three, like uh, we were speaking a little bit before, first week, five weeks of the season are very different for NFL offenses. And by week three, some of them started to wake up. And for instance, and so like I had already uh, given up on some of them, um, but like I benched uh, Dubes, Daubs, that you gave me Romeo, Daubs, yep. and they finally started to wake up, for instance. Um, or I traded away Najee, and last game he actually looked a little bit better. The offense didn't look better as a whole, but he looked better movement-wise. I just – when someone says I'm nursing a list rank injury and you're going into a 17-week NFL season, I didn't, mm-hmm. in my head that doesn't mean you're going to get healthier. Right. You know, if anything, that means you're going to get worse. It's going to decline. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, he probably took some good pain pills last, last game and, uh, you know, got went through it. But uh, I guess the biggest thing, like I said, yeah, the points against, making some bad choices here and there, and then uh, – not being quick enough on the free agent wire lately. I definitely have not been making my Sunday night moves or Monday morning moves like I used to. I've been waiting till Tuesday, and by that time, the free agent waiver wire is a bit bare. Yeah, it's a little bit more dried up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you mind if I give you my opinion on, on oh, what you're please. doing here? So it's easy for anybody looking on the outside of anybody else's fancy team to say, Oh, you need to blow it up or this, who I would trade and this, who I would, I'm not going to tell you that. What I am going to say is that, uh, your team does not look bad. It's not bad. It's Oh, and three record. (laughs) Well, it's, it's the record is Oh, and three. Yes, correct. But the team itself is not bad. There are some own three teams out there that if I looked at, I would say, you know, absolutely blow it up. I'm not going to give you anything specific, but you need to blow it up and you need to look to change the direction and where you're going. I don't think your direction is bad. Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff, I think, are a solid duo any week. Okay, I, I think uh, they're both top ten quarterbacks at the at the moment. Um, Bateman, Judy, Dobbs, not the best, but this is not something. I mean, you could definitely improve there, but this is not something that you need to that, oh, be alarmed and be like, hey. You know, my wide receiver corps are, are really bad, and I need to make a move here. You're not going to get anything for James Robinson right now. I think he is running back two. If I – let me see. Uh, I had some vultures circling today for him. Yes, I know. If you but... have James Robinson right now, he is running back three right now. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that through three weeks, if you're averaging almost, you know, 17 points uh, a game, absolutely there's going to be people that want it. You, you do not need to settle there. 
Josh Jacobs, I will talk about a lot during this podcast because we're going to talk about the 0-3 Raiders. Um, you know, I was not high on Josh Jacobs before the season, but I really think going forward, the Raiders have no choice but to utilize that run game. And I think the better days are ahead for them. I think that you don't need to blow up your team, but there are minor changes. And I think any fantasy team, anybody listening to this, needs to understand that your bench and the people that you aren't playing in any given week is just as important as the people who are starting. Because what happens is if they play well, if they become more valuable, you can move them the next week for something to improve your team. And right now, your bench is all droppable. Yeah, okay. it's pretty bad. Yes. Isaac Pacheco, preseason darling, uh, is not getting the touches, not getting seen. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard, I know you started him last week. He had a pretty decent week one. You know, we both said that he, there was room for two running backs maybe in uh, Tennessee, just not getting the, the rush work. I mean, he is Naheem Hines Jr. That's the Derrick Henry show. Uh, Noah Brown with um, with the, the second wide receiver from, from Dallas coming back right now. He's probably going to move Gallup. Gallup. He's probably going to move down to three and get, you know, less time on the field. Uh, and then you got Pickens, who at any time can break out. Not terrible, but I mean, it's that's just stuff that maybe you could move around just to get more depth in different areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, your defense. Uh, I I took a look at your defense. You have zero defenders in the top twenty-five, and only two in the top fifty. Uh, that's just not going to cut it when it comes to defense. Uh, in a full team effort, your defense needs to be making big plays. Uh, at, at some points, they can carry you. And I know you know that I say defense wins championships, but when you only have one person that, that's gone above uh, 30 points and the majority of his points were scored in week one before you had him, you might need to to utilize or or uh, focus on that defense coming up. So that's just my advice to you. No panic. There needs to be no panic. Minor changes on the defense and, uh, and your depth. But I think that this team is still built like a team that could make playoffs. To be honest. Yeah. So, no, I definitely need to make some moves here and there. I feel like, like you said, there's good parts of the team that people keep trying to vulture. Um, my bench is just pissing me off every time I look at it. Pacheco, I was thinking, you know, Clyde edwards Lair has been useless for years now, and all of a sudden this year he decided he's going to be a fucking football player. So great job, Clyde edwards Lair, you fucking dickhead. Thanks a lot. Um, you know, it's it's little things that, you know, Pickens looking great. Guy could catch everything you, you, you throw to him, but you never fucking throw to him. So yeah. fucking useless. I know. Dumbest Hopefully, listen, I just it's traded like, for Pickens. Um uh, you know, you mean Pickett or that, Pickett? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I just traded for Pickett. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't hope, know why. Well, uh, because I have Mitch Trubisky, 
If you, and and oh, if we saw you know. if we saw uh, Rudolph Mason Rudolph, if if he stays, Tomlin stays real to his word that if something happened to Trubisky physically, or if they thought that they could do better um, at the quarterback position, that they brought in Rudolph instead of Pickett, oh boy, would I be heated? But I, I don't believe that would ever happen. I think Kenny Pickett um, has the next man up. Hey, real quick, mm-hmm. in the middle of this me analyzing you know my team and and pick at trubisky and stuff we just had a trade uh in our league that was kind of significant and so uh, i don't know if you want to discuss it it was uh the professor who really has had some some pretty good receivers uh throughout the year he traded away darnell mooney Michael Pittman and Jordan Brooks for Brandon Cooks, Cody Barton, Debo Samuel. Can you give me a first take winner in that trade? Oh yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty easy. What do you uh, think? Professor won that for sure because Mooney is beyond droppable. Like. <laughs> Four points in three weeks. Like I don't even know why that would be considered. I he's, think the, he's droppable. I think the main Jordan, thing there is eleven targets in three weeks. Ugh. Yeah, that's really bad. Jordan Brooks is average linebacker. Okay, and okay, Michael. It's basically like you know Michael Pittman Jr. is the only thing I see, and from what I've seen out of the. Colts offense, that's not something I'm going to depend on week in and week out because I they last week when Pittman was out, the offense literally got planked. So if I was a defense preparing for the Colts, you cover Pittman in the in the secondary and game's over. So I don't mean, know, I'm not a fan of that. Cooks for Brandon Cooks, Cody Barton, Debo. I mean, I like Cooks isn't great, but he's he's he'll be okay in Debo should be getting better each week now with Jimmy playing again. So uh, I, I, I like it for the professor personally. What do you think? Jordan Brooks is second in the NFL right now in solo tackles. So I, you know me. He's still, less than, he's still less than 30 points, and you just called yeah. my defense shit because of that. So I, I didn't call it shit. I just said that if you don't have anybody yeah, it's the through tone, the first it's the three weeks. Through I'm the first saying, three he's, weeks. He's, so he's at he's at 27 and a half. That's not good. No, I, I understand because his peripherals on everything else, and, and I will, I'll talk about this when we get to the IDP. We're going to have an IDP section later on the show. But his peripherals, he has nothing. Literally has done nothing but tackle people. But you yeah. know he's there, and you know he's involved. He's second in tackles in the NFL, solo tackles at least. Darnell the Mooney, best thing he does is have good, projection, good projected score. True. True, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's the he's the prototypical middle linebacker, and he's the middle linebacker, one of the top five middle linebackers that were drafted, uh, you know, two months ago. Oh, because he took he took Bobby Wagner's spot, I guess. He took part. He, yeah, he is the he is the guy right there, and it's interesting because he was traded for a uh, another linebacker from Seattle. But <laughs> um, Darnell Mooney is like the prototypical buy low but what worries me about 
Darnell Mooney is that what we've seen thus far is that is the Chicago Bears offense because I think he what I've seen from Darnell Mooney is that he is one of the best route runners in the NFL. I love he runs a beautiful route. He can school people uh and and create, you know, separation. I really like Darnell Mooney. The problem is is Fields a good enough quarterback to uh be able to extend the pocket and and find him in those open spaces? Um because right now he's just not throwing at receivers. I I want to say that uh Bears receivers have zero touchdowns through 3 weeks. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yes. I I think so. I mean even against the Texas secondary this last week Fields found uh our safety twice through the air. That's more than than Mooney. So I don't I mean he's a really it's it's an interesting buy low, okay? Now what he's buying low, what what he's cuz you have to break this down into parts. So Debo for Pittman, right? Mm-hmm. Who do you think's better in that situation? Debo. I over the whole season, Debo. I mean, you're unless playing Debo, unless unless he gets hurt. That's the only thing I think. It just cuz Michael Pittman Jr. is not good enough to break double coverage, and Matt Ryan is not good enough to throw into double coverage. And that's all it takes because there's nobody else on the fucking team. So if a defense is not double covering Michael Pittman Jr., they deserve to lose because that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. There's literally nobody else on the field. I like Pittman. Um... I know. He's a big target. If you get into the red zone, you just give him a post. He'll box out the – the corner and you got a touchdown. Not I get only it, he's but... going to be a target hog. He is going to run the percentage targets on his team all year long. And I know you said, well, just cover Pittman and you're done. That's not no, entirely true. double. I'm saying double Pittman. But even if you because do there that, is nobody else on the team. Jonathan Taylor. There's nobody else to throw to. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Box. Is... That's what the front seven's for. I'm talking about the secondary. Uh, and I'm talking about from the passing game. Jonathan Taylor is still an option for, out of the backfield. And I'm not saying that yeah. they – just because they don't have names. I mean, you're, you're talking about a uh, rookie tight end that caught two touchdowns last week. So, I mean, they are going to oh, run three t- tight ends. I know. They're going to run three tight ends out there a lot. Uh, and and you do have some, some – sprinkled in some other receivers, Paris Campbell – uh the rookie pierce uh you know you've you've got some other ones Austin, Aston Doolin um that they'll sprinkle in and they'll target um but i'm just saying as a whole i love Pittman okay yeah no um, i agree he he should be a target hog this year i'm just i'm just a little bitter the colts beat the chiefs this past weekend yes. that's the dumbest fucking thing i ever heard of yes um the enemy should be fucking fired uh but yeah, he should be a he should be a target hog. So yeah, Debo for Pittman, they could be about even. I just I sure like that's Debo exactly. A bit more. What, yeah, I like um, and I agree. I think Debo is just at this moment uh, a little bit higher, just because I think of the consistency on how the the Forty ers use him, and they move him all around the field and like in the game plan. If you you could take Pittman out of the game, you could lose the game by doing this. But you could take Pittman out of the game and say, I'm going to double cover, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to, you know, make the, him throw underneath. Debo is going to be out of coming out of the backfield. He's going to get jet sweeps. 
He's going to get that short passes, the long pass. He's going to be moved all over the field. So I, I do like Debo in that, in that instance. Uh, Brandon Cooks is a target hog um, for, for our team as well, for the Texans as well. Obviously, is not going to reach any important milestone uh, as far as touchdowns are concerned. And it's not going to have those 20, 30-point games consistently. But I think we can both agree that he's better than Darnell Mooney at this point, right? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like you said, I mean, he's got, you know, almost 30 targets in the first three weeks. Uh, Darnell Mooney, to me, uh, no, nowhere near that. Um, I, I definitely take Cooks over Mooney. I guess Mooney, the look at it is, you know, he's got potential essentially because, like you said, he's a great route runner. He's, you know, he's always open. It's just a matter of just if Justin Fields is ever going to find throwing to wide receivers to be a priority, and it doesn't look like it will, it will be at this point. It'll be interesting to see because Montgomery might miss some time, so they're going to go to Khalil Herbert, who I was super impressed with. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if they change that offensive game plan at all. Uh, Texas defense hasn't looked that bad. So I'm not going to say that Mooney should have gone out and, and shown out against the Texas defense because I think they've looked pretty good. Uh, but really, he hasn't shown up for anything for in their first yeah. three weeks. I know that first one, you got to kind of count out because it was a monsoon game. Um, and so you have to take that in effect. But, you know, on the road against Green Bay, two targets, one catches, and one catch for negative yards. That means it was a screen. Um, that they just yeah. forced the ball into his hand. And then last week, almost non-existent. Uh, it's That's a big downgrade for me. I do yeah. think Cody Barton to Jordan Brooks is a big upgrade. I like mm-hmm. Jordan Brooks. I think that's a good defensive addition. Is it a, enough to make up for the Cooks to Mooney gap? I don't think so. So I do give the win to Professor. But I I, I like what Disco Lemonade's doing. He's... Yeah, or Neil, it's still I, pretty even. He's buying low. Buying low is a good uh, trend to practice in in these weeks. Is is take somebody that everybody thinks stinks, buy them low, and you know the stock increases, then your team increases incrementally. I just don't know if trading Brandon Cooks for him was was the move. Uh, okay. Let's let's jump into some uh some NFL news. Okay, it looks like as far as fantasy is concerned, and we've talked about this last week, the week before, and it seems like nothing's changing from week to week. At least in the first three weeks, mobile quarterbacks are the the talk of the town. They're the ones that are killing in fantasy almost every one of my leagues the first place team has lamar jackson uh i know we're early and yes the top score in the nfl uh is in fantasy points is probably going to uh lead teams to wins and so this is not a surprise um but i think that there is as much of a gap between him and let's see who's number two in ours. And you have to remember anybody listening that's not in our league, uh, 
we do six points for uh, passing touchdowns as well as rushing touchdowns. But there's there's a nine point gap between him and Josh Allen. Okay, that's pretty significant. He's thrown ten touchdowns through three weeks and has two on the ground. Literally turned the ball over twice. Excellent year thus far for Lamar Jackson. Really putting an egg on my face. Uh, is this something you think will continue? The 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 hurts and the Jacksons of the league are going to be uh, more successful because they can move the pocket and have uh, are more apt to get points in in multiple areas, whether it be on the ground or through the air. In the first ten weeks, sure. In the first 10 weeks, yeah, a lot of times. And we see this kind of crap out of Lamar Jackson in the first five weeks, most years. Yep. He does these kind of amazing runs and blah, blah. Defenses play him, you know, defensive backs are backing up and he waits till everybody turns their back. Then he goes, <laughs> you don't see me. And he starts running and he's pretty quick once he gets going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not sustainable. It's not, this isn't something that you can go and do week in and week out and expect to be healthy the next week or let alone the postseason, because this kind of shit never works to get to the postseason or the Super Bowl. This can be fine and dandy to get you maybe a division championship or something like that. That's, that's cool. That's nice. Put a little banner on the wall, go home, say, Hey, look, what we did. but you're not going to fuck a Super Bowl with that crap. It's just not. And even for fantasy, you're, I mean, you're kind of, I'd be holding my breath every time Lamar runs like, He's doing great right now, but the more times you walk into oncoming traffic, eventually you're going to get hit by a fucking semi-truck. And that's when that's when all of a sudden him running isn't necessarily a good idea anymore. And things start changing and they start going, well, we're going to try and tell Lamar to be more of a pocket passer and all this crap. So you also have to look at who he's played in the first series. It's not but terrible. The, Jets, the Dolphin. No, okay, but the Patriots defense is not the same Patriots defense we've expected from them. I Patriots guess. defense is garbage right now. The Jets, the Jets are exactly who we expected them to be. The Jets are the Jets. And the Dolphins, I guess, I don't know. The Dolphins, Dolphins, I think, played them, played Lamar like a traditional quarterback. And every time they turned around, he went running and they're like, oh, again, oh, man, look at us. And that, that was their issue. But I just, I think part of it is who he's played. And it's just, it's the beginning of the season. I will say he's on a contract year. So he'll probably fight through a few more injuries than he normally wouldn't. But, I just, I just don't think it's sustainable. I would personally sell him high if I had him on my team. Maybe not right now, but maybe look at his upcoming schedule of Bills, Bengals, Giants, Browns, Bucks. I mean, Bills are next week, and they still have a lot of injuries, so you're probably fine for the next little bit. But yeah. I wouldn't plan to go into the playoffs with him. Tua, he moves a pocket a lot. I don't see him as much of a runner as, say, Jalen or yeah, no, uh, Lamar. He's, he's not, especially after this injury. Um, it, I'd be, yeah. I wouldn't be worried about Tua, but it's uh, something definitely to keep an eye on. He's on a short week this week, and if he does not look like the Tua that we saw two weeks ago, uh, I would definitely be concerned. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts, I actually have a little bit more faith in just because if you watch the way – Lamar Jackson and the way Jalen Hurts run the football, it's very different. Lamar Jackson is just, hey, I'm going to burn you, and I might do a spin move, and I'm real fast. You're probably maybe push me out of bounds. Jalen Hurts kind of embraces for the hit. He kind of goes in and then, like, falls forward with the hit. He, he, I feel like he takes more impact, but he also braces for it a little bit better because Lamar Jackson, yeah, he's fast and he's quick at everything, but if at one wrong turn or one guy, <laughs> it's done. 
Yeah. Like Jalen Hurts, he sees the hit come in. Okay, he'll brace, put the ball back. He almost running like a running back a little bit more. Um, I also don't think it's super sustainable either, but I think it's better than because Lamar Jackson, the way he runs, he reminds me of RG3 a lot. Remember RG3? Yeah, He's, I remember RG3. Like, didn't last long, but I'm just yeah. saying that he, that's the kind of I'm expecting him to just get like just walloped in one of those runs. Whereas Jalen Hurts is like, yeah, I see you coming. All right, boom, and falls forward. What do you what do you think about these mobile quarterbacks? So I I think that um you know every few years we talk about this, especially with hot starts from these mobile quarterbacks. We're just like, this is the new thing in the NFL. Okay, this is the new thing. The whole offense is built on deception, and what's going to happen is they're going to fake the run, and it's going to be short passes or or whatever. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what's been going on thus far, and it's been working. Now, when we when you say new, this is the New England defense that we're used to, uh, New England had a very solid first few weeks against quarterbacks, uh, 16 points against Tua, and uh, 11 points. Uh, we're talking about fantasy points to Mitch Trubisky in, in week two. Um, it is still he, they give up the tenth most now, but they give up 44.6 against. Uh, Lamar Jackson. That's more than they had given up in the first two games combined. In fact, that's 17 more points than they gave up in the first two games combined. So I wouldn't say New England's defense is bad, which kind of promotes Lamar Jackson. I agree with you in that. I don't think it's sustainable to get 40 points, fancy points a game for the rest of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, there is going to be a fall off and there is going to be kind of somewhere where he meets a plateau and, and whatever. Uh, do I think that there will be games where the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, the Kirk Cousins of the world uh, go out and throw four touchdowns, five touchdowns, the Joe Burrows? I mean, these are the guys that last year we would see them have big games just like everybody else. It just seems like right now the same guys are doing it through the first three weeks, and it's translating to uh, wins for these teams so that they, they can't be beat. Uh Jalen Hurts and and uh, and Lamar Jackson through the first two weeks, uh, similar play styles, scoring so many points, and and Josh Allen to a certain extent scoring so many points that it's it, if you have some semblance of a decent team around them, you're going to be two and one or three and zero. Oh. I mean that's just how it is, and that's how it translates to our league, uh, and and probably most leagues whether they're touchdowns or four points or six points it doesn't matter these guys are producing in different areas and I, I i would not sell high on any of these players i agree with you that i like hurts a little bit more than jackson but i am not going to sit here and slander on jackson anymore after preseason saying that he was like 20 something ranked um for me to be right at this point he would have to god forbid get injured or fall off a cliff uh for you know statistically for this to to get injured is worse than fall off a cliff statistically falling off (laughs) statistically oh okay okay so yeah um but yeah i mean that's that's how it's going right now um we'll see this next week it's just a switch that should have flipped after week one is your quarterback a mobile quarterback can they move the pocket if they don't see anything, are they going to tuck it and run and get a first down? Most times, if not, they're not a good fancy QB. <laughs> That's how it is right now. Uh, 
I won't say they're not a good fantasy QB, but they're like even Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's fourth overall, right? He's QB four at the moment, and we're talking about some guy, a guy that has eight touchdowns and one interception. Um, so definitely, right now, if you're if you're a mobile quarterback, you are uh, making plays, and you are one of the most valuable players in the league right now. We'll see if that that continues. Another point of emphasis I want to talk about is: Are we at in trouble? with running backs we've seen some of these running backs that were invested in highly whether it be Najee Chris McCaffrey uh Derrick Henry Jonathan Taylor these guys are leveling out okay they're getting enough volume now they're not having weeks to blow everybody out and to say oh these guys are back and it's a running back league again but they are getting enough volume catching enough balls, getting enough first downs, decent runs that they're sustaining in the top 10 at running back. Do you think at the end of the year that the guys that were invested in highly, and I'm not talking about like, you know, injuries will happen and people will miss weeks, but do you think for the most part, these guys that were invested in highly finish at the top of the running back ranks like we expected them to? I think for the most part they will. I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of the offensive lines just getting a groove in, groove going, basically. They're just getting gelled together. A lot of them have new pieces. And some of them just take a little bit of time anyways. I think, you know, it takes anywhere from about three to five weeks for offenses to get going, especially for an offensive line to be working as one cohesive unit. So this past week, I think, was the best week we've seen so far for running backs in, you know, the Titans and the Derrick Henry really moving the ball and winning that game for them. Uh, Najee, even though the Steelers lost on Thursday to the Browns, you know, the offensive line actually did look better. They were getting getting blocks up into the second level, and Najee was making some people miss. Uh, you know, and I, obviously Jonathan Taylor was a huge part in the Colts beating the uh, uh, beating the Chiefs. Even though he didn't get any touchdowns, he was probably the main focal point of the defense when they were in the red zone, given the tight end two crap little fucking touchdowns, little bastard. But... Um, no, I think I think it's I think they will be the top, you know, in top tiers. I don't think we're going to have any big surprises at the at the end of the year. It's just the way to look at it, I guess. Now, especially in our league, would be was the point differential of that top running back better than say the a wide receiver or another quarterback you would have taken? But granted, you would have also had to then downgrade on your running back uh, later as well, which would have been even worse. So, yeah, uh, it's all you know, it's all decision making. But I just. At the end of the day, I always think about the fact over the past 20 years, what do the, what what rule changes does the NFL make in the offseason every year? What to benefit what? The pass game. Every year. Every yep. year it's to benefit the pass game. So mm-hmm. and so and and to to add on to that, I mean a lot of people uh buy into that and they get running backs who can catch the ball. Uh if we're mm-hmm. talking about running back receptions the one that leads the league right now is austin eckler which we expected that the mckissicks and the hines um i i really honestly think through through three weeks i mean we would not you would have not guessed and and this happens every year but you would have not guessed james robinson number three cord pat number four khalil herbert number five number eight is jamal williams I mean, then you sprinkle in the Jonathan Taylors, the McCaffreys, the Henrys of the world, and and things start to even out, and you start to get some normal statistics. But these guys um, at the top were 
like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rounders, and Khalil Herbert was not even drafted. Um, and we've literally only seen him without Montgomery for like three quarters, maybe two quarters. So I I honestly think that yes, these running back rankings will level out and we cannot by any means panic and say because I've heard people say this trade your running backs get three big receivers get the Hills, get the Pittmans get the Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons sell your running backs for whatever you can get Well, you, you just did that you just sold Najee for Tyreek Hill I didn't like Najee specifically. That I would. I'm not just. I'm just saying. You essentially just did that. But I, granted, but, not, you didn't sell all your running backs. You still have, you know, Derrick Henry. Right. I would never trade stuff. So it's like. So, never, but I'm just saying, you did trade one to upgrade your wide receiver. Wow. But that was because of Najee specifically, and we've talked about this. I yeah, don't like the yeah. list rank injury. I don't think he's playing 100 percent healthy. Um, he's yet to prove that he is the Najee from last year. I mean, he came out against the Browns. Yeah, he scored a touchdown and it saved his day. I mean, nine points, 11 points, 11 points. I mean, we, this yeah. is a guy that was in the 15 and 25 range like almost every week and was really hitting up the pass game. And thus far, uh, Najee has 10 catches in three weeks. That's not where he was last year. 11 targets. Yeah. Uh, it might be on Trubisky, but, you know, I didn't it's like Trubisky Najee and Matt Canada. It's, it's both of them. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would not give up on these guys. I think it'll even out. I think there's always going to be outliers like Her- Herbert, who will be up there. I-, I thought James Robson would be up there. I think he's great on the ground, and he's shown that he has chops in the past game, which is really bad news for ETN owners. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that it looks normal. Do not panic after three weeks, especially when all these guys, with the exception of maybe Najee, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk about this in, in, in just a little bit, but we'll see. I think this is a big test this week to see if Najee can come out and, and be successful and, and prove that he should be a top 10 quarterback or I'm sorry, running back. Uh, but I would just, I would just sit on it, sit on it for now. Uh, all right. Overreaction Tuesday real quick. Let's go through some of these Raiders only Owen three team. Do they deserve to be the worst team? You know, it, it's it's hard to say that because their roster looks so good, like on offense especially. Like you're just like, oh, wow, how could they not be winning games? But when you can't put it together like that and they keep losing close games and, or then they got blown out by Tennessee as well, like, yeah, at the end of the day. Like I expect them to get better. I don't expect them to end as the worst team in the league. I don't right. expect them to have the number one pick next year in the draft by any means. Um, I kind of think that's going to go to like Atlanta or something. No offense, Atlanta Falcons, but you know, you're bad. Um, <laughs> I could also see Washington commanders finishing worse than them just because Carson Wentz is so bad. So um, it's yeah, right now they are though, but I don't, I expect them to get better as the year goes on. I believe they are the second percent highest percentage chance for the number one pick at the moment behind the Texans. Uh, but yeah, they're the, all, they're the only 0-3 team. Uh, I think that their offense... But the but Texans still have a better chance of getting first. I think first right day. now they're 10%, 10.5% 10, chance of getting the number one overall pick. 
Uh, oh, it makes sense. They're making these numbers in Vegas. So, you know, yeah. Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders, they're not going to say that they're the worst. We're 0-3, yeah. but wait, is there someone else out there that's worse? Technically, no. Fuck it. Put that. Like, I mean, it's... the Texans are 0-2-1. Who would you take for the rest of the year projections? Texans or the Raiders? Well, or, uh, you're basically this? asking Las Vegas or Houston, who would you take? Right yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I, I don't think they're the worst team, but they definitely absolutely 100%, 1,000% have to change their offensive game plan. I mean, this is yeah. – Josh Jacobs is not being used. And if you're going to have a pass-first team like they do, uh, you know, cool. somebody read a stat line during the Bills-Dolphins game this last week, and they were like, the through the first 30 plays, the Bills have run the ball five times. They were like, past 25 and i'm like the bills can do that of course if you said that oh it's the first 30 plays of any team that this team passed 25 times and ran five times i'd be like bills probably and they're probably winning okay so they can do that the raiders cannot do that especially with no hunter Rimfro this last week like if you're just running matt collins out there with Devontae adams uh you can't do that and so and i think that's stalling a lot of their drives they're easily guess and also, Derek Carr cannot move the pocket as much. I was going to say, like Josh Tottenham. Allen runs the ball more than the running backs yes. in, in Buffalo. So that that's their running game is Josh Allen. And, and Derek Carr doesn't do that at all, or at least nowhere near to that extent. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah no, that, that I agree. I think the other biggest thing is Devontae Adams. Like, he showed up week one, but the last couple of weeks – I feel like with, you know, how big, how much they gave up to get him or, or how much, you know, the emphasis they, they put on getting him, I feel like he has not had a big enough impact in the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, I, I feel like that's offensive game plan. I don't think that's Devontae Adams nearly as much as I, I feel like they're coming out and they're being one-dimensional and they're saying we have a better offensive team, whether it be, you know, Devontae Adams or Waller, uh, Rimfro when he's healthy, we're just gonna score forty points on you, mm-hmm. and and beat you in a shootout. And they can't play like that. They can't. They have to utilize Josh yeah. Jacobs way more than they have. He has zero touchdowns on the year. Uh, he is. Let's see. Uh, he has only eight targets on the year. Seven catches, fifty nine yards, forty two rushes, one hundred ninety two yards. I don't care if it's white the backup or Jacobs I don't care how you feel about him you have to run the ball you have to put the ball on the ground and they're just not doing it enough uh so we'll see if that changes going forward the only thing that's good for them is that every team the AFC West lost this week so um we'll talk about that in just a second how about Cooper Rush do you think he's actually a, a competition for Dak no, not seriously. He is not doing very Romo. well for himself. No, he's not a Tony Romo situation. He's doing very well for himself and may be earning himself a lot more money here and uh, maybe another contract as, as a back quarterback. I just think that uh, Dak has too much raw talent to be um, beat out by Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush has a great uh, feel for their playbook and their offense. He has been doing very well with that. Um, I will say the only thing, to, if you really are thinking about Cooper over deck, the reality of the situation is the best ability is availability. And Dak has been having more and more issues with that. So, you know, at the end of the day, if Dak is a better player than Cooper, but 
he's never on the field, then Cooper's a better player. True. I I've liked what I've seen out of Cooper Rush this far. Uh, I don't think he's like a world beater, but I, I he's getting rid of the ball really quickly, and that's mm. key. Um, if you're just giving, you're not getting sacked. Okay, he's not taking sacks. He's not moving the ball backwards, and that's something we saw Daniel Jones last night was he was just getting sacked once a drive, uh, and and it really put his team you know in in terrible spots. I don't think he's even close to what Dak is. I don't think Cooper Rush is nearly as talented. I don't think he's the future of this team. Um, but if Dak comes back and does this dance in the pocket, trying to look for open receivers and, and whatever, uh, Dak isn't the old Dak. I talked about this last year. He's not the guy that can move around the pocket. He's not the guy that can extend plays like Kyler Murray and them. Uh, yeah, this this team might not get better with Dak at quarterback if he comes back and doesn't play exactly how rush is which is get the ball out run the ball and utilize uh cd lamb when necessary so so yeah i agree i don't think cooper rush is quite the replacement afc west before the year started we thought afc west was by far the best division do you still believe that no no, I really don't. Um, I think preseason, we were looking at quarterback names. And, oh, my gosh, big quarterback names. Even Russell's name was like, oh, he should be good, right? They just mm-hmm. gave him so much money, which more money means better QB, right? And it's like, no, it doesn't. He can go buy nice little dinner jackets to wear in post-conference shit all he wants, but he's still going out there and barely beating the Texans. Like, that's not good. That's That's not – worth 250 million dollars that that's a load of crap actually but the biggest thing is the fact that like the chiefs basically thought oh we can let our you know one of our biggest weapons go and we'll be fine they're not fine they're they're trying to play conservative because they know nobody's open they're trying to tell mahomes to hand the ball off instead of do run a two-minute drill he's he's throwing quick slants in into uh cover two uh into cover two and popped up for interception. Like it's just, it's really bad decisions. Um, Herbert's got, got hurt. He's been playing well. Chargers were actually my favorite for this year, but if that lingering cartilage issue on the rib could be, could be an issue. I, I don't think he should have even played this past weekend. I thought that was really stupid, but I'm sure their medical doctors were like, we didn't puncture his lung. So whatever, just send him out there. It's a w. It's a yeah. yeah. Not really, but you got to look at the long, the long, the big picture like that that's really really not good i it's it's the teams like you know like miami we didn't think it was going to be as good but it is because they have a lot of weapons so yeah they're they're not definitely not as good as we thought they were going to be they'll probably get better throughout the years the offenses get a little bit better but i don't think it's going to end as the best division in football like we thought it might be i know shit happens where you you know put these teams up on a pedestal and you think it's going to be a a brawl uh, in a division and a lot of these teams turn out to have pretty obvious deficiencies and doesn't look nearly as good. Um, Yeah. Regarding Russell Wilson, who we thought, wow, this is a dark horse to win this division before the year started. This is a continuation of what we saw with the Seahawks last year. You know, you, you saw Russell Wilson not have a lot of time to throw and uh, not be moving around the same as he used to. 
and taking sacks or being rushed and not moving the ball, a lot of three and outs. This is the same thing we're seeing with the Broncos, um, which we thought that this offense was superiorly talented than the Seahawks, and it's just not moving. In fact, the Seahawks are moving at a better pace with Geno than Russell is moving with with his supporting cast. So, uh, yeah, I think the AFC West is not nearly as good as we thought. I still think it's a great division, and I still think every single team, including the Raiders, has a chance to win if they start playing better. Uh, but I, I don't think that the winner of this division is automatically favored to win the AFC, like many thought prior to the season. Mm-hmm. All right, real quick, shooting it off. Team that you were most disappointed by this week? Uh, I'd go the 49ers. Um, I just, and to me, it's kind of a whole thing. It's the whole, you know, we're trying to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, do all these things. Trey Lance is the guy. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, we're not going to trade him. Hey, Jimmy, can you still be our starting quarterback though? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And, and I I wanted him to come in and win the game, honestly, but in his post post game conference, he, he spoke some truth in the fact that he was like, I've barely been playing with these guys. This is like my preseason. And I was like, okay, I could get kind of get that. I was just a little disappointed with the whole – it felt like you went through like a year-long parade of, you know, replacing Jimmy with Trey, and then it all just like fell apart in yeah. two seconds. I was like, all right. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Texans. I thought that was a very winnable game. Uh, I thought the on the yeah. offensive side, Khalil Herbert, you know, cleaned up. But other than that, the, the Bears passing offense was awful. Turned it over a few times, gave us a lot of opportunities to go down the field and score. Uh, something that I really had confidence in, that the Texans may not win a bunch of games, but at least we could move the ball on offense and not turn the ball over and be consistent in that that area. And thus far through three games, we really hasn't haven't shown that as much. So I was kind of disappointed. I thought that was a close game and definitely one that we could win. Uh, team that you were most impressed by in the weekend? The Eagles. They're, they, I mean, I knew they were good going into it, but I always am like a little hesitant about division games because they could be end up being a little closer than say the records might say they would be. But they went out there and just stomped the commanders, and they they look really good right now. Um, just watching the Eagles' offense play, it's they're moving the chains every mm-hmm. single down. I, I don't think I've seen them in a third long. Like everything is short, you know. So it's they they did really well this weekend. And you really you. haven't seen AJ or Brown utilized as as mm-hmm. that number one receiver that they brought in. I mean, he's been doing well, but it's not like he's he's the focal point of the offense, which is crazy that they're they've not even you know maximized their their opportunity with that. Um, but I think like also with the Eagles, their defense looked amazing. Mm-hmm. This is not a, a bottom five offense. Washington came in pretty decent on offense, you know, control the ball up and down the field. They came in and stomped them. And so, yeah, I agree. I think the Eagles look like the best team in the NFC right now and, and super impressive. I was impressed by the Jaguars. Um, this was a dark horse team. Uh, started out the week plus seven and a half. Okay. So more than a touchdown uh, underdogs to the chargers. We knew Herbert was going to be injured. But I don't know if even Herbert at 100%, if he came into this game against the Jaguars, that this team uh, would have would have came out and beat the Jaguars. Jaguars look good on offense. This is the Jaguars offense that they we thought they'd be building. 
James Robinson looks great on the ground. This offensive line is pushing people around. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is coming out and finding receivers, not turning the ball over like he was last year, really being consistent. Um, you know, that first game Jaguars came out and we were like, ugh, these are the Jaguars from last year. In the last two games, they've looked like a, a Jaguars team that we haven't seen more than a decade. So, uh, yeah, I was really impressed by the Jaguars. Player that most disappointed you this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go with Davis Mills. Like I said, watching that Texans game, I just, I, I was expecting a little bit more out of him. He looked so good ending the year, the, the end of the season last year. And I thought he would just come in red hot this year after having a full off season of being the starter, nobody else around everything. And it's just, he's just not putting it together the way, the way I expected him to right now. Um, yeah. you know, he really, he really needs to just, I guess, just command that team and, and win it, and the and two minute and two minute drills at the end of the first half, and, and two minute drill at the end of the end of the game. Those are things I, I guess I've just been expecting more from him. Yeah, it, I I feel like he's folding in the pocket a little too much. Every down in the fourth quarter feels like a third and ten. It's not. It's first and ten. But I feel like the play calling and everything is everything feels like a third and ten where they're trying to throw it beyond mm-hmm. ten yards. Get the ball out to somebody within five yards. Get the ball out to Pierce. Get the ball out to Cooks on a screen. Mm-hmm. Let's move the ball down the field. Uh, I, I feel like we may lead the league in uh, third and tens failed, where it's it's drives that we didn't gain one yard. Uh, it just – I appreciate the fact that they're putting the ball in Davis's hands and trying to get him to move the ball down the field, but it's just not working. So if you need to take it a little bit slower – run the clock a little bit, control the ball. Let's do that. But yeah, I mean, that was a failure for sure for him. Uh, I was disappointed. Alvin Kamara, you know, he was, people were worried about his whole legal problems in the off season. Uh, and, and they didn't draft him once he was cleared of that or not so much cleared of it, but they were going to take care of it after the season. Uh, you know, his draft uh, prospects skyrocketed. People thought, wow, he's going to have a great year. Jameis, Michael Thomas is back. This offense might be able to move the ball. He came in on the first drive this last week against the Panthers and coughed it up. Really didn't see much of anything the rest of the game. You saw a lot more Melvin Ingram, especially in the red zone, which is really tough for Alvin Kamara owners. Uh, Going forward, I I wouldn't count him out. I I still think Alvin Kamara is going to be a good running back going forward for the rest of the year. But, man, this last week was brutal for anybody that owned him and started him. Uh, who impressed you most? I mean, I know we kind of talked some smack about him earlier, but Lamar, I mean, Lamar Jackson had a hell of a weekend. Uh, you know, I, you know, and watching the Patriots and Ravens play, I kind of want them to tie basically, but one of them had to win and Lamar did it in spectacular fashion. True. Um, so, I mean, you gotta, you gotta give him props for his props too. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert. He sliced up the Texans defense this last week. Uh, I'm not saying that David Montgomery wouldn't have done the same if he was stayed healthy the whole game. Uh, but this is a, a defense that didn't really fold to Jonathan Taylor in week one. Um, in week two, you know, we, we held our own for sure. Uh, one of the most picked up defenses in fantasy, the Texans were, uh, people were very impressed and, They were super low owned to start the year, thought they'd get run over by everybody. So we had kind of higher hopes going into this game defensively. Mm -hmm. And Khalil Herbert just kind of showed out. Um, 
you know, just ran us over for two touchdowns and, and really made, uh, you know, good on his opportunities. Probably one of the highest free agent pickups um, in all fantasy leagues. So, yeah, Khalil Herbert for sure. All right, let's move on to IDP roundup. We we haven't really done this this year. We haven't really talked about IDP as much. Um, really, I've talked about, you know, you said I was talking shit about your team, uh, about your IDP, about your defense. I've been a strong proponent of really paying attention to defense and and making sure defense is solid because, you know, a lot in the past people really haven't paid attention to it or 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 put the uh, the attention it deserves on it. What's your IDP philosophy through three weeks? What do you what are you looking at to try and see uh, you know who's good and who's not? Um I, I personally like to see I like to see extracurriculars uh, and I like to watch the defense play as a unit. If a defense is playing and they're attacking the ball, I like guys in that offense because when uh, in that defense because that defense is attacking, meaning they're keeping things in front of them and then driving to the ball, meaning they're going to hit harder and they're going to swarm, which count, counts for more turnovers and things of that nature. So I try to look at it as a bit more of a whole. So it's like kind of find like the defenses that are the best uh, rhythm, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's that's essentially what I look for, and then try to find playmakers inside that defense from there. Every year, that's going to be a little bit a little bit different. Um, for instance, right now, with the Steelers' defense without TJ Watt, they're playing cover two, and literally every single play, they go, "Well, it's back up. What are they going to do?" And they like slowly walk over to them. It's yeah. really they're not they're not attacking, you know. So it's like it's one of those things uh, that I that I really try to find because with those attacking defense, you get the fumble uh, force fumbles, the fumble recoveries, the, the interceptions off a tip pass, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean your best defender right now i think is miles jack um for pittsburgh uh so yeah i mean i'm sure you've paid attention to that team in in particular mine and 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 if you look at the leaders of defensive points idp points and every league's different every league scores different ours is just the same as everybody else as far as extracurriculars but we do uh, give a point per tackle and a half point for every tackle assist. And if you look at the the leaders throughout uh, start out the year, you're correct. And this is going to happen. Um, extracurriculars, interceptions, block kicks, forced fumbles, defensive touchdowns. Those are the people right now who are going to show out, and they're going to be like, "Wow, you know, those are the guys that need to be owned." Uh, I wouldn't suggest you go out and trade for those people. Now you're going to have the Roquans and the Devin Lloyds and the Minkas. Uh, and Jordan Hicks, who I think is like one of the MVPs of defense right now, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys are going to be there. They're not going to move. Okay. Um, so if you want to trade for him, you can trade for him. But you really, really, really need to put more emphasis into tackles. Again, we are 20% away through the year. And the people who are involved in tackles and involved in plays on a daily basis or on a, on a weekly basis are going to get points. Okay. It's going to be more steady. Do not abandon the philosophy of tackles are king because they are. I think it's still the move to look at people tackling. We talked about Jordan Brooks. Okay. He is right now second in the league in solo tackles, nine assists and nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. 
And so people might say, eh, you know, 27 and a half points through three weeks isn't really, that's not enough. I'm going to go ahead and sell him off. I'm telling you, his points will increase. He, he can potentially finish in the top 10. Okay. It's great to get these weeks with interceptions for touchdowns or block kicks. It's wonderful. Trust me. I had it with Minkin Fitzpatrick week one. These guys, that is not sustainable throughout the year. Okay. Every once in a while, you'll get a Trayvon Diggs who gets seven or eight interceptions throughout the year, leads the league. So they just keep their gift that keeps on giving. You're not going to see that out of a lot of these people. Marcus Williams, three interceptions through uh, the first couple weeks. Don't go out and buy him. Don't go out and invest in players like that. It's just not worth it. Okay. Get the people who are still sitting on the ground making tackles, who are healthy and involved in every aspect of the game. Okay. Uh, look at people who lead the league in tackles assists. Uh, Miles Jack, for instance, is is doing all right. Uh, Devondre Cam- Campbell, even though I don't really like Devondre Campbell, he's involved in a lot of plays. Um, so you just got to pay attention to those guys. And those are the people that I would pick up going forward. People who are consistent, people who are uh, going to uh, be involved in, in big plays because they're always there. That's that's the way I look at it. Uh, and so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you, these are people who are unowned in our gridiron. Five people for this week in particular, um, maybe not rest of the season, but five people that you might need to pick up uh, if you're looking for an IDP guy. You ready? Yeah. Max Crosby, two X's. The reason I like Max Crosby, he's got a sack in the last two games. He's facing a Denver defense who allows the eighth most points to outside rushers, and he's consistent. Okay, through his first three games, uh, he's got, let's see, 9.5, 6.5, and he got 17 last week. Uh, he's been a premier pass rusher for the last three years or ever since he's come in the league. I really honestly think that he's going to have a big week against Denver. Definitely a good pickup. Richie Grant, the only DB on the list. And and the reason for that is uh, the DB pot right now, the DB free agent uh, case is, is low. It is bone dry. There's not a lot of DBs well, out there. Well, there's a lot, there's a bunch of DBs that have gotten like one pick six. And so like their points look really good, you know, and then the other weeks they've done nothing, you know? So it's, it's definitely a little different. Um, I do like Richie Grant, though. Um, I feel like there he's always in the, in on the plays. He's kind of one of those guys that just kind of jumps on the pile at, at the yeah. end. He'll he'll get you that tackle assist kind of thing. Yeah, combination of being involved in the play and he does have an interception on the year. Somebody that can go out there. I mean, he's going to be a starting safety for this for this Atlanta team who's going to be playing uh, from behind a lot and and being multiple shootouts. I like Richie Grant going forward, and especially this week against Cleveland. Uh, Jerome Baker is somebody that was regarded pretty highly throughout uh, in in preseason. Really hasn't shown up uh, so far this year, but uh, he's still the starting middle linebacker for this Miami team, uh, and and really honestly has over the next three weeks has projected more points than or I'm sorry, top twenty five points of all linebackers. So uh, Jerome Baker against Cincinnati on Thursday, I think is a pretty good pickup. Again, 13 tackles, seven assists, and only half a sack through his first three weeks is nothing to write home about. 
Not a good season so far for Jerome Baker, but I do think he picks it up over the next three weeks. Uh, maybe you guys know this guy, Aaron Donald. Uh, this week, uh, he is going against the 49ers. And the reason I like Aaron Donald this week, he's only scored 18.5 over the first few weeks, but he is facing San Francisco, who gives up the most points to DT position. So, mm, I don't know. Best DT that Maybe. ever lived. The team that gives up the most points, to, the fancy points to the DT position. Let's put them together and let's see if we can make some magic. I like Aaron Donald this week. Uh, and also Danielle Hunter. I mean, this is a guy that's racked up three or four sacks in, in games uh, over his career. Um, he definitely puts up big games. This week, uh, they're going to be facing Jameis, who really cannot move. Uh, I, I'm really sad about that. I love Jameis. I was really high on him before yeah. he started. Uh, but those those vertebrae in his back are not healing. And uh, you you will see some uh, Danielle coming around the end. Uh, you're, it's going to be a, a shit show. I really like the Vikings in this game. But look for Hunter to make some plays for sure. So if you need somebody, those five guys, definitely take a look. I like the I like those picks. Like you said, they're not only uh, good IDP players; they have good matchups this week. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that I think could do really well. Yeah, Aaron Donald versus the Niners could, could do great, just because Niners do tend to run up the middle a lot, so mm-hmm. kind of right at him. Um, I, I was going to say, big thing. Go ahead. what do you think about Melvin Ingram the third against Cincinnati on Thursday night? I do like. I if you're picking up defensive people, I love primetime games i love the thursday nights yeah. the sunday nights the monday nights that's when people show out especially on defense so i don't mind yeah. Elvin ingram um it, say compared great. to max crosby like we were talking earlier right and he's had a, a couple really big weeks so you know mm-hmm. i do like that uh yeah i mean melvin ingram outside rushing linebackers cincinnati gives up the the most in the league to to uh those positions I think that's a, a definite great pick. Uh, Ingram three is definitely a force and the Cincinnati O-line really hasn't been there. So, so good. That's a, yeah. that's a good one as well. I mean, like I said, I, I mean, after looking at my defense with you earlier and I'm 0-3 right now, I got to make probably, I'd like to make two moves before the weekend on my defense. See if I can't just fill in a couple of those holes there. Yeah. And so, so we're talking about this, um, you know, for anybody that listens to this, whether they be in our league or outside our league or anybody that's looked for IDP, IDP help. But I just have this feeling that by the time they listen to this, they won't have a chance at Melvin Ingram. Is that, is that what I'm feeling? No, probably not. It's like you said, I like the Thursday night. Well, I like having a guy. True. That's nice. You know, it is. It's is exciting. Nice. It's exciting. You yeah. get home from work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you make yourself a little drink and you get to watch some of your players ball out. So. So absolutely love those those primetime games. Uh, I'm gonna. You ready for a little quiz time? Yeah, I think I'm okay. ready. That sounds good. All right, I'm gonna test your your NFL knowledge through three weeks. These are hard as shit. I'm not gonna lie to you. These are not easy. Um, so give me your best guess, and uh, then we can discuss. Number one, and I'm gonna go. So I do a, a question about a QB, wide receiver, running back, tight end, and a defense. Starting out with the QB. Who averages the most pass attempts through the three weeks? The most pass attempts for three weeks. See, my, my brain immediately wants to go to Dak, just because if Dak was playing, he would average like 50 attempts a, a week, a, a game, I would say. 
True, but um, he hasn't played for two weeks, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, it's not Dak. No, no, no. I know. I'm just trying to think of teams that refuse to run the the ball, basically. <laughs> uh, so, like you know, Josh Allen. You know, he might he might be up there. I'm gonna go with a different choice in Tom Brady, though. Tom Brady, he slings it. Tom Brady's correct. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would guess. Derek Carr, but no, Tom Brady. Derek Carr's another choice too. Yeah, Tom Brady averages forty passes a game that leads the league. Uh, it seems like they're empty pass attempts. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're like not... he doesn't have that many points. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, uh, but nonetheless, he is uh, leading the league. In pass attempts, uh, number two is Justin Herbert, and number three is Josh Allen. So they're all up there, okay. Patrick Mahomes. Um, but Tom Brady is averaging forty per game. That's a lot. That's, um, so that's a lot of passes for that old shoulder. Hey, yeah. If you're if you are a Tom Brady owner, at least he's trying. At least you know that there's probably some uh, progression that might happen yeah. if he continues to average forty passes a week. All right. Largest target percentage for their team for a wide receiver through the first three weeks. Okay. Um, mine immediately wants to go to Justin Jefferson. Uh, if Pittman wasn't out last week, I would kind of go with Michael Pittman. Um, I'm going to go with Diggs, though. I'm going to go Stefan Diggs. Drake London. Drake London what? was the answer. 32.9 of the receiving targets for his team go to Drake London. So almost a third of every pass that Mariota attempts is to Drake London. So, so what do Kyle Pitts owners think of that? Because that's that's terrible. Like, uh, so I'm just saying, at, like, like so, that's that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> so Pitts is at 21.6. So we're literally talking about more than half of these two guys. It's I mean Pitts is number three in the league on tight end. So it's not like it's just they're just not going anybody else. <laughs> I mean, you got forty yeah. percent for literally your wide receiver two, three, uh, tight end two, you know, running backs, everything else. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's impressive for a rookie though. I think that Drake yeah. London uh, owners should definitely love that. What's really interesting to me is uh, number seven on this list is Darnell Mooney, which is really sad. You <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what just goes to show these don't always translate into points. Well, it also goes to show that Justin Fields just doesn't fucking throw the ball at all. Uh, you know, he runs the ball. They That team just runs the ball. Uh, if you're getting more than a fourth of your team's targets and you have like 10 total fancy points through the three, first three weeks, four. that is disgusting. Four total four. Oh, disgusting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just, just something to look at. But Drake London having a great year, 32.9 percent of his team's fantasy league uh, or or, uh, targets. All right. Who has the largest average number of targets per game at running back through the first three weeks? Okay. So passing targets to running backs. How, who has the most targets at running back average through the first three games, like per game? I'm just going to go with what we said had the most receptions earlier. That was Eckler. Eckler is number two with six, uh, averaging six targets a game. Number one is Brees Hall from the Jets. 
Yes. Seven targets yeah. a game averaging. Uh, he only has four receptions a game for 33 yards. But really, honestly, is that's pretty impressive that they are, at least Flacco, is trying to get the ball out to him. Now he only averages uh, – you know, seven rushing attempts for 37 yards a game. So it's not that valuable. But as far as a passing down work, Brees Hall is getting it. So uh, there may be better days to come for, for Mr. Hall. If Garrett Wilson continues the trend. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Which tight end averages the highest amount of snaps per game through the first three weeks? Who is on the field the most out of tight ends? What do you think? Like I said, the only thing I'm trying to think of then, because I'm not huge on, you know, what tight ends are, you know, they're specifically running and passing, but just who is a good between the 20s tight end. Mm-hmm. So it probably gets a little more looks. And what I keep thinking about there is Bill's uh, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is correct, actually. Uh, he uh, He averages 61 snaps a game. I think that that is a lot. I think he has the most mainly because they run the most fucking plays. Well, they're uh, always passing. They're almost always yes. passing too. So it's like true. So he's yeah, on the field. A, yeah. A, a good amount of like time. Almost every play. And it's funny because I'm making these, I'm trying to come up with trivia questions. The answer to pretty much every other fucking tight end trivia question is Mark Andrews. This is like dominates <laughs> every other yeah. statistical tight end category. Uh, catches, targets, touchdowns, like target percentage, uh, everything. And he is like, let's see, 11th in snaps. Like, it's just, it's it's pretty stupid. Uh, Mark Andrews wow. having, a, having a great year. Yeah, I had to find something where it's like, yeah, let me get something positive for one of these guys in Dawson Knox, 61 snaps. Uh, a game. All right, and we'll do a defense. Uh, let's see which defense has allowed the highest amount of average snaps in the red zone this year. So the most average snaps inside the twenty. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Raiders. I don't know why they're zero three. I just feel like it makes sense. They're not really getting run over uh, offensively. They're just kind of getting stifled. Uh, I'm sorry, defensively, but they're kind of mm-hmm. getting stifled on offense. Um, it's the Jets. The Jets oh, well, uh, yeah. have there let up the most plays within the red zone. It's pretty close. Uh, let's see here. Red zone snaps. Yeah, they've they let up 12 and a half snaps a game in the red zone. Uh, that's right in front of Arizona and the Giants, who both have around 12. Um, But that translates this week to facing Steelers. Uh, Maybe you see some some more Najee plays, some more uh, Friermuth targets. Um, Those are pretty strong red zone guys. So um, something to watch uh, as as the week progresses. But, But yeah, Jets defense, really letting people get in the red zone. Surprise, surprise. Okay, let's get in our gambling corner to finish this up real quick. I am one and two on Thursday night's spreads. That's not good. I've totally tried to recreate my gambling philosophy philosophy through the first three weeks. Stop taking obvious picks because 
uh, they're wrong. Okay, the Chiefs were obvious. The the Broncos were obvious to be the Seattle. Just stop it. Okay, let's get real. Let's take some statistics, break them down, and give your best guess. I'm going Bengals minus four for my spread, and Joe Burrow over one and a half TDs uh, on Monday night. Or, I'm sorry, Thursday night. And the reason I do this is because Burrow and Tua's numbers, and you wouldn't guess this, but their numbers are pretty damn similar as far as offensive uh, production. The differences, the big difference between these two quarterbacks is that Burrow gets sacked quite a bit more. I'm talking about like mm -hmm. five times a game more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Burrow has been sacked a ridiculous amount of times through the first three games. And so you think, okay, well, if that's the case, if you're just looking at quarterbacks and definitely, you know, take the Dolphins. However, Tua got injured. I know it's still in the discussion for the for in last game. And I think that with mm -hmm. his back problems on a short week, going on the road, Cincinnati, I feel like the the Bengals are are kind of due. And uh I, I'm I'm gonna go with the Bengals to, you know, if you want to bet the over as well, I think these defenses are really struggling. Uh, but, but I really like Bengals minus four Joe Burrow to show up and, uh, and, and win at home and Burrow to throw over 1.5 TDs. Do you agree with this or no? I do agree with this. I think that taking the home team on a Thursday night game is always the better bet. I think that, I've always been worried about Tua's health issues and this being on a short week might finally uh, show up essentially. And Bengals probably still going to put up some points. So Burrow one and a half over one and a half touchdowns is pretty good. Uh, normally I like to take the under on Thursday night games um, just because usually the defense has a little bit more of a hand on it on things than the offense does, but mm -hmm. For instance, last I think last week's the Brown Steelers game went over by like a point, you know. Yes. Um, so like so thing so you know anything could happen, but I like it. I like Bengals. I like Burrow for two for two touchdowns, and if Tua plays, over. If not, no. Yeah, that's but. So, the spread right now is forty-seven. So that would mean both teams have scored twenty-four, uh, and I. I'm confident that they will, but I just don't want to bet that because exactly what you said Thursday night and you just don't know. Usually when the spreads are lower ish, you like to take the under because if Vegas thinks that it's going to be low, if Vegas thinks it's going to be a field goal type game, it's definitely going to be that kind of game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Vegas knows that there's touchdowns that are going to be scored. It's just when it's in that 40 range, it's really tough to guess whether it's going to be over or under, uh, you know, six touchdowns. And two field goals, so I'm just I mean, I'm gonna hold off on that. And I'll I just like the Bengals. That's that's think, my think, think about the last two night games we just watched Monday Awful. night and Sunday night game. And yeah, there's eleven to ten and thirteen to twelve or something like you know just I mean really bad offensive show. We are also so talking we about we could have one more here. So, so the Broncos 49ers, I think the over under was forty two, and last night's game was thirty eight and a half. So. Vegas kind of knew, like, okay, they might get six touchdowns, maybe. Uh, you know, the the 49ers-Broncos was brutally under. 
um, the the last night's game went over by half a point, and it was mostly because that fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, because that halftime is a field goal game. Uh, but but yeah, no, I I like I'm confident with the Bengals. Don't want to guess on the score. I I think that there's multiple touchdowns through the air, obviously by Burrow and Tua. I mean, I think that they have both have great mm-hmm. games. I just don't want to commit to three touchdowns each and, and a field goal each. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm changing up my parlay. Uh, we're not doing teasers right now. You know, I've been thinking about it. I've had some talks with people need to change your strategy after three weeks, maybe not fantasy gambling. You definitely have to change your strategy if it's not working. Okay. I'm owing two on parlays through the first three weeks. And mainly because I'm taking these huge favorites and mm. I'm teasing them to make it sure they win. And they just don't win. Okay. The Bengals failed yeah. to get me a, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, I, this, this last week, the chiefs really blew it against the Colts, which nobody likes to see. Um, so I'm just going to pick three games instead of four games, not tease them and just, just roll with it. Vikings. Matt, minus... Ryan, Matt Ryan looks like a young Bill Nye, the science guy. I couldn't Matt think Ryan of who it was. Awful. He looks so awful. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. I mean, you brought up the Colts again and just brought some yes, fire out. I know. It, it, it brings some fire on I me. Mean, I started him fancy last week. Threw two touchdowns, literally pulled him out of disaster. One yard uh, fake runs to Jonathan Taylor on the one yard line where he threw uh, to a wide open tight end. Like, lucky as shit. Otherwise, he couldn't move the ball up down the field. It was gross. Um, all right. Vikings minus three in London, 8.30 a.m. I think the Saints offense looks really bad. They're really having problems moving the ball. Vikings are a good team on the ground and in the air. I think Dalvin Cook has a great game on the ground. Vikings come out. I think minus three is a good spot for the Vikings to come out and win this game. Pretty positive about that. And and you can start your day out with one-third of your parlay down and good. In fact, if you don't wake up, if you're hungover and don't wake up till 10 o'clock, a third of your parlay will already be done by the time you wake up. Cardinals, Panthers over 43. If we're talking about a pass defense, or if we're talking about a pass offense that's really underwhelmed, it's been the Panthers. Trust me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. More McCaffrey. They're supposed to be doing more. Baker supposed to be doing more. They're not. Cardinals and Panthers are both bottom five in pass or defending the pass. They're awful. Okay. They're just not doing a good job of it uh, throughout the year. I really think that three touchdowns each in Carolina is a really good number. I'm going to take over in this game. I think uh, Kyler Murray also has a good game and this kind of becomes a shootout, maybe like a 30, 28 Panthers win. Uh, and the easiest one of the day, I think we should agree on this. Without Mac Jones in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers can beat the New England Patriots. I have no doubt in my mind this should be your survivor pick. Finish your parlay with that. $100 pays $350. I don't see why you wouldn't do this. It's smart gambling. What do you think? Oh, I like them. I was just double-checking the Minnesota Vikings record in Minnesota, just because uh, in um, the Minnesota Vikings record in London, just because of how long that trip is. I wanted to see if they travel well 
they haven't done the trip in a while. They haven't done it since 2013, but they did beat the Steelers 34 to 27. So they didn't show up uh, affected by the time zone, half asleep, things like that. I've seen teams do that. So mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I do like the Cardinals Panthers game to be over. Um, I, I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be close. Um, but I think that I do like the over and yeah, I think like you said, the, Biggest sure bet of the week is Packers uh, versus a Mac Jones-less uh, Patriots team. I think they should really be getting back to it because uh, the biggest difference for the Packers the past couple weeks uh, after week one is that uh, they've gotten back to running the football. They've gotten back to their offensive scheme. They've gotten back to creating an offensive flow in the game as opposed to just going out there and Aaron Rodgers doing his thing and slinging it, basically. Um, so that they they have definitely looked like a much more of a cohesive offensive unit so far. So I like I like the parlay. I think sh- I think it should be a first win. Cool, cool. I, I I really do hope so. Need a need a good week. Uh, before we get into our survivor picks, which I I might be the same. Uh, let me give you my DK rundown philosophy. Um, this week, I've been really doing my baseball strategy with my football, which mm-hmm. is take low percentage to own people, the people that nobody wants and putting them on my team. Turns out not a good strategy for the first three weeks. If somebody's picking a high percentage player, whether it be Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, whatever, they're kicking ass. They're winning. Okay. These high percentage pe- uh, people who are getting picked are, are, are really uh, paying out. So what we're going to do mm-hmm. now is we're not going to attack the leverage as much. And what we're going to do is we're going to attack defensive inefficiencies. Okay. I like it. So this week, what I did was I paired up Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs. First of all, Baltimore has been wrecked by Miami. Didn't really do that well against Devonte Parker uh, and Mac Jones, even though they won the game that they, that was exploited. Uh, Devonte Parker had mm-hmm. over a hundred yards on, on five or six catches. I think Allen and Diggs can really definitely exploit that. Um, you've got Kamara facing this Carol. Uh, I'm sorry, facing the Minnesota defense. I think Kamara is going to do fine. Um, I think that in London, uh, he's going to be featured and they're going to have to feature him because Jameis is really struggling to throw the ball down the field and he might have multiple touchdowns. I still think the Vikings win, but Kamara has a good game. Uh, Rashard Penny. Again, facing a bottom five defense when it comes to uh, rushing the ball or uh, defending against a rush. Really cheap, $4,600. Should have a great game. Noah Brown facing a bottom five defense uh, in in Washington. Somebody that he's a big-bodied receiver. Uh, he's going to not be looked at after the game that Lamb just had. And in a rivalry game that the commanders and, uh, and Cowboys have, I like Noah Brown as a cheap option. Lock it in that same uh, instance as Penny. This Detroit defense has been awful when it comes to both the pass and the run. Lockett, quietly, as one of the most underrated players in the league, has gotten 11 targets in back-to-back weeks. Really love Lockett going into uh, Detroit this week. Uh, and Joku uh, is facing Atlanta, who not only, like right now, but historically have been just awful against the tight end. And Joku really showed out last week on last Thursday against the uh, Steelers. And I think he has a great week and finds the end zone at least once. Uh, 
in this next week. This is a questionable pick. Uh, Sills the fifth, and we saw a little bit of him last night, got a few targets. Uh, might step up uh, in the absence of Sterling Shepard being out. Uh, we'll see if Wendell Robinson is healthy. Uh, we'll see if, if Galladay is actually trusted because he looked just god-awful last night. Um, but I think that there's more opportunity for receivers to really step up, whether it be Richie James or Sills the Fifth. And Sills the Fifth is almost uh, no money, $3,200. And as a flex, I think you could get worse. And the Pittsburgh defense, um, as far as projected points, New England is going to, it has the least at 15 points by Vegas. Second least is the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson will probably be back and rusty and going on the road to Pittsburgh against the defense that really hasn't played all that bad this year. So I like Pittsburgh going up against the Jets. Whew, got I like a lot of those picks. I like a lot of them. Only mm-hmm. a couple things I'd be worried about is Kamara going up against uh, Minnesota's defense. They play a 4-3, so it's really built to kind of stop the run there. Um, yeah. That's the only thing I'd be worried about. Um, Noah Brown, the biggest thing about him not really being a factor last night was that what you were kind of talking about earlier with Cooper Rush, he's going out and getting rid of the ball fast because he's going out and throwing to his first read. And the defenses don't usually know who his first read is going to be because they don't have hundreds of hours of tape on him. So his first read is almost always open. And with how good Lamb played last week, I feel like he's going to be going back to him a lot. I love Joku. Uh, I think that that was another thing that Brissett did on Thursday night is he planted his foot, saw his first read, and threw it to him every single time. And Joku was like a foot taller than the uh, than the linebacker covering him. So he just hit him open every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steelers defense is hard to watch if they can't get sacks. Like a Steelers defense that can't get a sack on a quarterback is a Steelers defense that does not win. Um, so that that one is tough is tough for me just because I feel no one can get pressure other than TJ Watt. Uh, Alex Highsmith started getting some pressure at the end of the game, but it was like, oh, you decided to start playing the last two minutes of the game. Congratulations, fucking asshole. But uh, you know, it's just it's. It's tough, so I, I would be I would be wary on that, but I know that was kind of down at the end where you didn't have much money left. But I do like right. a lot of those picks. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. We're gonna turn around. I said week week three is for winners. It obviously isn't. I we got smashed. It was a tough week, but you know, you take a few days off, you recover, uh, and we go into Thursday trying to start a new week. And and I'm really hoping this is your week to win. You face the professor. Uh, you some new receivers that we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, you may want to take a look at that, but but good luck this week, sir. Oh, how about your survivor pick? Do you agree with me? Did you I, use oh, the yeah. Packers? Oh, yeah. Have you used the um, Packers? No, well, I, I lost last week with the Chiefs and the Colts. Oh, so, you're out. Yeah, yeah, Shit. yeah, I'm out, which really sucks because that was I thought everything else was such a coin flip and they they mainly were and. Uh, the only other one that I probably could have taken would have been Eagles over Commanders, but I, I hate taking division games because right. they're always such coin flips to me. And I just thought Chiefs, hey, it's the Colts. The Colts are terrible. Chiefs are doing well. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love your pick this week of the Packers. I think that's a great. I think that's yep. a great pick. Yep, absolutely. I think the uh, the Packers take care of them pretty easily. And and at the end of that game, you see a lot of AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, but. Uh... But yeah. All right, guys, that's about it for this week. Thank you guys for listening all the way through. I appreciate it. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. 
See ya.